Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Diana. And you're listening to Fiction Kitchen, where we're cooking with inspiration from our favorite books, movies, and TV. Today we're going to talk about Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, the novel by Susanna Clarke, and the miniseries from BBC. pretty interesting tale and yeah, I'm excited to get into story. it. Um, but first, let's do Tasty Time. Tasty Time. So what's going on in fiction food nowadays? Well, I recently discovered a site called You Kitchen or um, it's by a, a lady named Yuki. So it's like you, Yuki's Kitchen, but it's You Kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Cute. Yeah. She was raised in Japan. Um, and she is, aside from having this, uh, a food blog, she is also a model and she likes to travel. Um, and she just loves all cute things. Um, and her, her tagline on her blog is super cute cooking for healthy geeks. <laughs> oh, nice. And she, and she is super adorable and all of her food is just so Again, like it's cute. It definitely goes along with her cute theme. Um, but her <laughs> photographs are are those really pretty, you know, um, like bright, you know, with white backgrounds. Those, you know, very very nice. And it's um, so it's yukitchen.com if you want to look it up really quick. Um, yeah, now I'm checking it out. Yeah, so like she's done. It is very cute indeed. Like domokun biscotti and like little uh, panda tapioca um, for milk tea. And she's done like um, she has done some Studio Ghibli too, like yubaba miso soup. So it's like noodles and rice in the shape of yubabas. Oh, nice! Head. Oh, I see yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> and then kawanashi, um, also, also from Spirited Away, like yakisoba. And, yeah, so just some really cute and fun dishes. Uh, and also one that I had seen a long time ago uh, was the the omu rice. But it's, um, like, omu rice is, like, omelet rice, basically, like, omu, like, for omelet. But this, mm-hmm. um, it's O-H-M-U. So it's from Nausicaa, uh, from Studio Ghibli, So which are the... The almu or the uh, like big bugs or like they look kind of like pill bugs. <laughs> kind of anyway. So she's made like uh, kind of made food art of those, but it's a uh, an omelet, like a colored uh, rice omelet. Anyway, so it's really. <laughs> oh, really I mean, I'm very, having trouble very... picturing it. I don't see it's that. At, it's yeah. like towards the bottom of her archive. Ah. Yeah, with the it's like the gray green with the little tomato circles on oh okay it. see that yeah so that's like super clever but i remember yeah now like i had seen this actually a few years ago but i i don't think i had looked at her blog like gone further to look at her blog um but anyway yeah it's got yeah. some very cute illustrations on it too yeah. i like that yeah yeah so it's definitely cute is like the main, <laughs> the main <laughs> um theme 
But yeah, but and just really fun recipes and healthy. I'm like, ugh. Somehow I need to make my not ugh to her, but I mean, right. <laughs> the dilemma of like how to make a fiction food blog but healthy. Yeah, <laughs> I well, mean, I that's think my like it's so anyway because it's so easy when do you're doing these healthy. like food as art things to kind of go like the dessert route yeah. because it's you know it's easy to make stuff to kind of like paint with <laughs> with like yeah. you know sugar and colored things you know so it's nice that yeah she can find a way to like um yeah use healthy foods and natural colorings and yeah yeah. and i guess also like alternate ingredients too like you can always find like alternatives that are healthier like ingredient wise too i just haven't really like that's not my lifestyle healthy eating is not my lifestyle and so it seems like such it would be such a chore like such a huge project to like shift myself into that and and also make my blog that way but but that is like in my mind I'm always you know I I think about it because you know that would be beneficial to me and my household (laughs) but anyway so I always am impressed with um like these pretty blogs um you know that also do fiction foods but are healthy so yeah for sure Yuki you're a good example (laughs) She's got panda boba tea. I know, how precious, right? It's so cute. Yeah, <laughs> little adorable. Little Rilakumadango. And the, um, it's vegan pumpkin smoothie with soot sprites. Like little, do you oh! see the recipe? They're so yeah, adorable. Yeah. Like these little soot sprite, um, shiratama. So it's like little mochi soot sprites, but then in a in a pumpkin smoothie so they're like decorating it oh <laughs> i love it yeah, so definitely we'll put her link there definitely check it out <laughs> oh well thank you yeah thank you for sharing yeah. well yeah we'll definitely link that up and so what is your tasty time um mine i'm revisiting an old one um <laughs> I, it's been like a good three months since i've mentioned christine mcconnell <laughs> I'm not stalking you, I promise. <laughs> well, she's always up to something cool, so. <laughs> right, I know. But I am the president of your fan club. So, <laughs> so the reason I'm mentioning her, and yeah, like, if um, listeners may remember, um, I've gushed about her before, mostly about her Instagram. Um, she is the baker, photographer, model, yeah. um, who bakes these, like, kind of, like, cool, creepy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, her most recent... Um, things for like Christmas cookies, but they're kind of, you know, creepy looking and stuff. But the reason I'm bringing her up again is because, um, she has a cookbook coming out called Deceptive Desserts, A Lady's Guide to Baking Bad. Um, yeah, and it's coming out in March, but you can pre-order a signed copy right now. So, yeah, and I don't even bake that much, but like... (laughs) Well, it'd also be cool to look at, I'm sure. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I kind of want to... Yeah, I'm definitely going to get this book because I love her so much. But, um, yeah, just for the artwork, purely. Yeah, on the on the front of it, she's, like, in this 50s dress. And it's, like, you know, 50s-style, um, whatever, um, titles and stuff. But there's, like, a Frankenstein cake and a oh. cat with spider legs coming out of it. Yeah, so it just... Yeah, it just looks great. <laughs> so I'm excited for it. Nice. Yeah, I enjoy... Because I follow her on Instagram, too, ever since you first brought her up um, and so yeah I enjoy every so often seeing her her they're almost like story pictures like prog- they're kind of progressive like they show parts of a story almost yeah yeah, yeah. 
which I so I, yeah. Some, really yeah, cool. sometimes she'll show like the making of, and sometimes like it is like a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, like different parts of whatever theme she's doing, and but it's like yeah, story bits. Yeah, cool. So very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. So let's get into some English magic. Whoa. This is oh, so right. it's a brick of a book. The Jonathan Strange and Mr. Nora. Yeah, I I didn't even pretend like I was gonna read <laughs> read the book for here. this one. Not that I'm not interested in it, but uh, yeah, I think it's a very large and dense read. So it's an yeah, I could not come. <laughs> like, let me look. So I'm gonna put it on my like long pages, and it's tiny. Wow. <laughs> okay. Like, I don't know what size it is. But yeah, let me... yeah, I'll put it on my oh, list of like books to read before I die yeah. because I'm definitely I I really enjoyed the story and I am very interested to read the book because of the way I hear it's written. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll get into all the details, but just like a quick overview before we get started. Um, the general story is it takes place in England um, in the early 1800s during the Napoleonic Wars mm-hmm. and. Um, Basically, magic has left England, and there's just a small group of people that are interested in it, but they find a real magician in Mr. Norrell, and this is up in the north of England in, in York. And so um, they're like, okay, great, we have a magician. We need to bring magic back. So he goes down to London and um, kind of starts making his way around society and proves himself by resurrecting the wife of a, or I guess the fiance at that point, um, of a cabinet minister, brings her back from the dead, um, which everybody thinks is wonderful. Um, so, and then we um, we meet another magician who doesn't know he's a magician yet, which is Jonathan Strange, the other titular character. Um, so, yeah, they they get together, start learning some magic. Um, Jonathan Strange goes and helps the um, the British troops in the war in Portugal. Um, et cetera, et cetera, and a bunch of crazy stuff happens. So I don't know how much I want to get into that at this point, but um, yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah. So yeah. it took almost Magic. it took almost ten years to write. Anyway, and you can imagine, like, because it's so big. But and this this was uh, so it's by Susanna Clark, and it was published in two thousand four. And she this was her debut. Like she had written, I think maybe a couple of short stories, but this. This was her, this is her big, like, really her, like, one big novel, <laughs> I guess. Like, well, and it is, I mean, to be a, a, the one novel, like, this is substantial enough. Like, <laughs> it's very impressive. Um, yeah. And something really cool. Um, so she was in a, a, like, a writing workshop, and she met, uh, or well, I think one of the teachers for the workshop, um was Colin Greenland. Um, so anyway, so she, that was, so she was working on a short story um, that ha- that happened to be set in this world, this um, like um, historical fiction uh, world of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Uh, anyway, she was working on a short story for that and for this workshop. And then the teacher, um, Greenland, he sent in a bit of her writing to well not sent in he he sent <laughs> shared <laughs> a bit of her writing unbeknownst to her to Neil Gaiman Ooh. <laughs> like what what an 
amazing surprise. Like I know. And so anyway, Neil Gaiman he instantly fell in love with her writing style. Yeah. So that, was that her big break? Yeah. And then he contacted. He he replied back to Greenland and said, "I want more. Like I want to read more." Excellent. And then they revealed themselves. <laughs> Greenland and Gaiman like revealed <laughs> that to Susanna Clark that they had you know been sharing her work and anyway and so she and that that was how it all started um they hooked her up with an agent and yeah i think then things just went from there um and so i thought it was really great um the the praise of neil gaiman because yeah of course he's amazing (laughs) his writing is amazing yes and we respect his opinion there's an article, Neil Gaiman, Why I Love Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. And this is an article that he wrote. And he said, let's see. I read it and wrote back and demanded more. That was his, like, <laughs> that's his response. Yeah, he said, um, so Greenland had just taught a writing workshop. And the one of the writers of the workshop was a remarkable woman of great talent. And he, he wished me to read her work. Um, and so he sent an extract from a short story. And so, and then he sent the story um, to an editor that he knew. And then he called, he called Susanna, the editor did, and asked to buy her story for an anthology. And so the, the short story was The Ladies of Grace Adieu, Adieu, which is another book um, that she published, or that was published, um, well, that is a short story, but in 2006, I believe, um, a short story collection that includes Ladies of Grace Adieu. It's called The Ladies of Grace Adieu and Other Stories, uh, and it takes place in that, like I said, the same world as Strange and Neural. Um, So those are like the two books that... (laughs) That are available. But anyway, um, but yeah, Neil Gaiman just has some really great praise for her. Um, and like he has, he has gone on to say that it is like one of the greatest works of English fantasy literature, you know, in the past some odd years. Let me see. I wrote about the experience of reading the book in my online journal and I wrote to Susanna's editor telling her, that it was, to my mind, the finest work of English fantasy written in the past 70 years. Wow. And then, of course, some people are like, well, what about Tolkien? And he says... He's like, including Tolkien. (laughs) Well, he doesn't think of Lord of the Rings as English fantasy, but as high fantasy. So, you know, it gets into the genres. But but he means (laughs) because... Her her writing style, and I guess we can. This is where we can kind of get into that. Um, yeah. But it, it is, but yeah. That's that's powerful praise. I know, yeah, right? From, it's like, oh my gosh. seriously. Yeah, and that's another reason why I was like, okay, like I really enjoyed the the miniseries, and it, which you know intrigued me about the the book. But then, of course, finding out that such praise was received from and and help to get it published as well. Um, from Neil Gaiman, it's like okay, like I'm totally interested <laughs> now, and, and it's and he's very right. Um, but yeah, so that distinction of like Tolkien is high fantasy or epic fantasy, um, so it takes place in a completely 
fan- fantastical world, Middle Earth. Yeah, so this, this takes place in... Yeah, the, this yeah is this like is historical like an, fiction. Uh, right, literature. yeah, historical fiction with some magic thrown yeah. in. Yeah, and he specifically yeah. says gotcha. of English fantasy, which this this mm. is, this book is This is severely, intensely... Yeah, <laughs> intensely is better, severely so Aggressively <laughs> English, yeah, there's nothing... It is yeah, this, British, this is... like, through and through. And so I think, like, also from a perspective like an american perspective or a perspective outside of britain like it it feels like a fantastical world like it's a, it's <laughs> i mean it's it's history but also there's that um distance because it's you know uh based on yeah, history so but also kind of like... based on a different continent from myself so right it's like even more another like a layer. different culture it's kind of exotic <laughs> yeah <and> yeah <laughs> well yeah just like watching watching the miniseries, like I was really interested in the story itself, but then um, reading a little bit more about the book, like I'm really intrigued by it because it's written. It was written in 2004, but it um, the style it's written in is the style of the times, like the 1800s. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's almost I guess like reading um, Jane Austen, which takes you know Pride and Prejudice takes place at the same time as this, and I kind of felt some of the same. Yeah, <laughs> um, kind of the same feeling um and apparently um since she did she was so thorough in building this world you know she's made up like over 200 books um that you know would be in this magical library or whatever and then she does draw on um like mythical concepts of of our actual world but kind of builds her own magical system as well yeah and i want i want to throw in that amazing word that I have like never had reason to use, and I'll probably forget that I know yeah, it's that I know one. this word. That's a good SAT word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with pastiche. Pastiche. <laughs> I know. So Just the language or the style that it's written in, like you were saying, is um, a mirror of like 19th century writing style. But it, yeah, it's a it's a pastiche, meaning that it celebrates that style, like it's not a parody mm-hmm. or anything. But yeah, so. So it is like reading Jane Austen. Yeah, not a parody, mm-hmm. but um, a ce- like, like a celebration of it, basically. But yeah. reading some of the passages out of the book, like it can be very tongue in cheek <laughs> yeah. and very, which yeah, I kind of feel like, like that big, writing is. Like I think that's very why I humorous at times. Pride and Prejudice yeah. was because I know I was Pride and Prejudice is kind of surprised like, by I yeah that fun. The humor. I didn't realize it was going to be so <laughs> funny. Yeah, so, so it's so very this, that flavor. Yeah, 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 definitely. And because it is so, like, English, it's almost, like, comically English at times. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like, it's very matter-of-fact about magic in ways. Um, just the way people talk about magic is very matter-of-fact. Um, and, okay, I forgot where I was going with this. Let's start something new. <laughs> well, that that is part part of the, I guess, the point, or one of the themes of the book is the, the Englishness of it. Like, that it kind yes. of, ta- it's like a, it kind of shines a light on what does it mean of being English? And, and well, I mean, not only in a historical sense, but, like, the the culture and the mentality, or the perceived mentality, mm-hmm. or, yeah, or stereotypes or, you know, such, of being English. And so, again, it's, like, for us Americans, it's, yeah, it adds another layer of right. <laughs> interest. Let's see, themes of, quote, vigorous common sense, um, firm ethical fiber, serene reason, and self-confidence which I guess are very um, English qualities. 
Yeah, and and that is one of the themes. It's about about reason, because that was kind of the age of reason too, mm-hmm. that time period. And so you can see that, you know, the theme of. But it's interesting because, in this world, I mean, in the world of Strange and Noral, like you said, magic. Like it, it's known that magic existed, but that it hasn't been done. At the point of the story, it hasn't been done for like three hundred or so years. But right. the, it it is a fact that it was done at one time, which is really interesting. But but then it's still, um, you know, people are of the mind that it's simply no longer done. Like the time of magic is gone. But then the point of the book and and what is at the very beginning of the book is that a character, not one of the main characters, but um, like a, one of the the interesting side characters. Um, says why ask the question why is is magic no longer done in England and so that like starts the ball rolling and the same with the with the miniseries so yeah so it is interesting that it, it's in a world that knowingly had magic at one point and simply thinks mm-hmm. that the time of magic is done and it's now the time for reason and you know but and but the point is and- that it comes back <laughs> And even when magic does come back, like, some some of the characters' attitudes towards it, like, for example, um, the Wellington, the general or whatever, yeah. down in, in, in Portugal, mm-hmm. like, he is not impressed at all. He's like, okay, you're doing magic, but what can you do for me? Yeah, <laughs> you know? He's like, yeah. you're doing all these, like, crazy spells, but it's not really helping our army, or it's not doing exactly what it's supposed to do, or whatever, you know, so they're not in awe of it at all. It's just, like, another force you can use mm-hmm. to, you know... It's just another like, tool for example, Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's pretty interesting. So I had... So yeah, so I, I watched the miniseries uh, this past summer when it aired. Um, so before that, I wasn't familiar with it, with the, the book. Mm-hmm. Um and so I just started reading the book for this podcast. Uh, I did not get uh, finish it. I did not go th- get through it. But <laughs> I, I like that. went through it um, based on some notes that I made from watching the miniseries. So, but it was nice because like if I had more time, well, I mean I have all the time in the world now. I mean uh, for for my own <laughs> for my own purposes. <laughs> but like it's yeah. the kind of book, like I said, because of the style it's written in and all. Um, that would make make for like a leisurely like pleasant read i think like very enjoyable stroll <laughs> if reading were equated to some ambulatory yeah well like yeah the style in general sounds um interesting to read and there's a lot that goes on so um yeah and just so many yeah. characters like there are a ton of characters and for the miniseries of course they um you know, blended some characters together or, you know, took out some and gave their lines to yeah. the other characters. You know, I mean, that has to be done for um, film adaptations. Yeah, but... even with a seven-hour miniseries, you couldn't pack yeah. in, you know, 700 pages worth of plot. And then I do have the the short story collection, The Ladies of Grace, I do, as well. So I read a couple of stories in that as well. Oh, prepare. okay. And so, yeah, I re- and I really enjoyed that. A lot. Like, it's totally written like fairy tales. 
Oh, um, neat. I'm need still to in that, that style, the pastiche, you know, style. Yeah, flavor. yeah. Well, we touched on the theme of Englishness in this. Um, there's uh, several other themes running through it. Um, one thing I noticed coming up again and again is just, like, the concept of duality. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you've got these two magicians, and they're completely different. Like, one's from the north and one's from the south of England, which in in themselves are, like, completely different places. Like, the north is kind of, like wild and magical and then down in the south where you have the city in london like everybody's very matter of fact and then um the characters of you know jonathan strange and mr norrell are completely different like um jonathan strange is young and handsome and kind of you know um he's more charismatic and yeah it's very much more charismatic than mr norrell who's stuffy and mousy and (laughs) unpleasant (laughs) so um and then we've got the themes of um you know reason which we keep bringing up but also madness because um like um lady pole who is um yeah the the fiance and then wife of the cabinet minister that he brings back from the dead um she's she just begins to go mad with this enchantment and also her life is split into two pieces because the the like whole thing the whole way he was able to bring her back is by making a deal with an evil fairy that you know she'll live half her life on earth and half her life with him so every night when she falls asleep she's forced to go to this like demon ball or you know yeah fairy ball you're not like that fairies are tricksy you're not supposed to make i know which is man i love yeah, i think i love the evil guard, fairies i guess because you know he read all the books and he should know right? and yeah know. this guy didn't look nice at all he looked very ominous yeah the man yes the, the man with the, the actor down did hair. a great yeah. job like yeah i enjoyed him and everything quite a bit yeah yeah so we do have like a, a yeah a bunch of duality going on over and over again we see this um yeah and we do have like all this mythology too like i i like i said i enjoyed seeing like the evilness of fairies because you know a lot of times when Ugh, we think know, about modern... fairies we're like oh these cute little twinkly things no, they're wicked. Yeah, well, they're, <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's always, I mean, yeah, when you look back in the history and the mythology and folklore of fairies, it's it's always been, like, originally, it's always been that they were mischievous, like, like mischievous you, at best, yeah, and, mean, like, bloodthirsty at they worst. They help yeah. you if you were kind to them, like, if you set out milk for them or something, you know, but it's like, yeah, but as a rule... Because it's it's wild magic, like it's it's the wildness. It's like you can't. They don't follow the rules of humans and of like of um, like the Christian world. What you know, what, and they mention that several times, like in the show, that like not one Christian among them, kind of thing. Like that. So there's right. the idea of the you know Christian religion, but also or the Christian culture, I guess, at, at the historically, and then you know the the wild. Right, magics like of the yeah ancient yeah. magics, and so and that was oh yeah they too. they talk about that too like old magic and new magic like um yeah yeah in the Jonathan behind the Strange scenes interested in old magic and Mr. Norrell's interested in new magic yeah. or modern magic in the behind the, the yeah, scenes so. they like they mentioned I think someone said magic is people rediscovering something ancient 
and yeah. and then they like and then they mentioned like madness and reason like you said like set in the age of mm-hmm. reason and then order and disorder coming together is kind of how it how it happens through the arc i guess is is like the coming together at the end um of the two magicians and you know of the of the the mentality the different mentalities of the of that day um and so like which is cool because in the end it's like magic is totally restored <laughs> like to its former <laughs> glory but then with right with the and, and not just as well, like it's opened up for other people to practice yeah. it too not just and so you know, not just these two magicians so it's a cool ending that it's like well of course it's gonna upheave the 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 structure of the society but it's kind of cool like you know yeah and then a ministry of magic was created and (laughs) (laughs) but well i mean probably but (laughs) anyway and a school for magic and (laughs) yeah um (laughs) little witches and wizards yeah yes but but yeah but back to fairies like yeah, it is sad that a lot of I think a lot of it has to do with the you know just media, and and stuff. How fairies are like little sparkly things for for girls. Like it's like <laughs> no, not really. But yeah, they were like it's like trying to pet a wolf, or you know maybe it might be nice to you if you give it a steak. I don't know. Well, it would probably bite your hand off to get the steak, but like. <laughs> It's not, it doesn't, it's not your rules. Bad analogy. Like, it's not necessarily evil, even, but it's just... Right, right, right. Like, I mean, it, it's chaotic, yeah, like chaotic. you said. Like, there you know, you, you might get what you want, you might not. Like, he got what he wanted, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was performing this spell, and, and it worked. Um, but, you know, the outcome was not as expected. Yeah, because he didn't so. have his wits about him, I think. Or he was being, I think, also, like, Norrell, for all of his, like, quietness... But he also has a really huge ego. Like he's very prideful, and so yeah, he's probably like, like I'm the, the greatest magician. So the like, whole point <laughs> of him bringing her back wasn't like out of the goodness of his yeah, heart. Yeah, he even says he, he was, doesn't care about her. He just wants yeah, the, this like you know beautiful <laughs> young girl died. Oops, yeah. big deal. But no, he he is basically trying to prove himself because he came to London and started speaking about magic, and everyone laughed at him. But he's like, no, no, no you know, I can prove myself, and he does this thing, and so everybody respects him after that, so he basically played with this girl's life, because he made a deal with her life that, you know, with this fairy, it's not his life to to give, I know, but he gave it. Right. You, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's another theme of the, um, of the, or, or another, like, piece of duality, is, like, those with power and those without, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah, um, because Stephen Black, the, the servant, or the butler, mm-hmm. yeah. That was, and that also, yes. yeah, in the book and in the TV series. Yeah, so there's, Mr. Mr. Norrell in yeah. particular, I think, um, like, he hoards these books mm-hmm. um, of magic because he doesn't want anybody practicing them but him. You know, he wants this power. He doesn't want it, like, released into the world. And, um... Yeah, he wants to have the control of it. And he says it's for yeah. protection you know, for the protection of England, but also, I mean, maybe patriotism is in his uh, motivation somewhere, but really it's so that he, because he feels that he is the one true magician. And so right. he needs to, yeah. you know, be the one and like have control of knowing what is going on with magic and stuff. So, yeah. So we get tons of sim- symbolism throughout the story. 
Um, one of one of the things is ravens. We have the Raven King, who um, is kind of a symbol of the old magic. Um, Jonathan Strange is into him. Mr. Neural says he doesn't exist. Well, that's the thing is that like, <laughs> but he, like he knows he's also very he's withholding of information because he doesn't want you know yeah. um, Strange to be as good a magician as him. But, but um, yeah, sometimes, like, he doesn't necessarily see, like, sometimes he says he doesn't exist, and then other times, he, you know, he concedes, I mean, there is history about the Raven King, but, but he's like, it doesn't matter anymore, like, he's gone, and, like, he's never coming back, and what was interesting in the, like, the vibe I got from the series was some of the things that he says, it's that Norrell is upset about the Raven King abandoning them. Like, he uses the word abandon. Like, the, the, he abandoned us. Like, he says something to that effect in the TV series. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's in the book. Um, but with, with passion. Like, he says it with emotion. That the Raven King abandoned us 300 years ago. And 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 then in the, in the end, like, you see the progression of him in the series... Um, it's like it's depicted really well that he like he doesn't want to be left alone in his magic like he wants a, a companion he's so really desperate for companionship but uh, someone on mm-hmm. his level like an equal and so which is interesting yeah that he like a lot of what he does and the things that he says like he wants like with strange his interactions with strange like he really comes to love strange and hit that companion like he's just craving that companionship that magical companionship um and he like he doesn't tell strange the truth that he summoned a fairy and pretty much like put all this stuff into you know, into motion <laughs> um the negative stuff and some of the good stuff but um mm-hmm. but it's like he but because he also i think at some level he he's not telling the truth not only not just out of kind of shame, but also because he does want to protect Strange. Like, because he knows that fairies are tricksters and, like... Yeah, that's true. And... And Strange is very new to all this and, yeah, you know, doesn't have complete control over everything. It's like so. mixing chemicals that, without... Like, Strange yeah. is like, hey, what's going to happen if we add this chemical and this chemical? But Norrell is very much like, no, you have to know... The recipe, and you have to know like the like know the properties of each chemical or each element that you're adding. Like right, so yeah. That he has it's very dangerous to just know, go messing with it. Yeah. yeah, and do what's safe. But then Strange is like, no. Blah, blah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so it's it's interesting. But yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, because in the beginning, Norrell is like, oh, okay, like annoying, like he's just a fuddy duddy or whatever, like. But then I really like how the actors and the dialogue was portrayed that they, like he, I think he really does. Yeah, you have to finish watching the series. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah, so Raven King, that's the name of Maggie Stiefvater's next book in the Raven Cycle. <laughs> oh. Which is one of the, one of the tasty times I shared with some of her books, because um, she puts food in her books. But yeah, the, ra- like, so Ravens, they are. Yeah, well, I- yeah, I was go, just looking back it. over, like, our episodes, like, just in the last one, you know, we did Fana, and, and we had ravens in that as kind of a symbol yeah. of foreboding. Um, in Game of Thrones, of course, you have, you know, the one-eyed, or the three-eyed raven, yeah. yeah so. That is what. 
are the one. No, it's three. It's three eyes. Three eyes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we got ravens in that. I'm sure we've got some in um, Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah. Yeah, they just pop up um, in all kinds of stuff all over the world. Is kind of yeah, which is awesome. I love dark symbol. Yeah, like I love these these worldwide (laughs) symbols that we you know keep running across ravens. And in many cultures, they are like um, very portentous, like harbingers of. Death yes, or ill omen. Good words. <laughs> um, or like psychopomps that they deal with death and um, like helping spirits pass on. Um, but in, and that's very like European um, culture, I guess. But then, like you said, other parts of the world, like in Native American um, cultures, like the raven is a positive, like wise and. Um, like brought fire to the earth in some uh, in some folk tales, or um, helped in the creation of the earth. So, like, okay. yeah. So it is. It's very interesting. Um, yeah, it might mean different things to different. Yeah, and I think ma- in in like the idea of magic, they it, I kind of um, think of them akin to cats, like the mystery and the wisdom and the like the, that they're kind of like familiars in a way. Um, mm-hmm. That they aid, and I, I think I think a lot of it is because ravens are um, scientifically they are very smart. smart. Like I mean, te- <laughs> like it's it's a known scientific fact that ravens are very clever birds, and so I think that's part of. I mean, just um, perhaps why mythology developed around them. Um, I mean, not only that they are like ca- yeah, it starts birds, like, but also. Like attributing, like know, that's why people to, yeah. would um, give cats a bad rap or like put them in league with magic and stuff was because cats are curious and they, I mean, they're smart and you know, so it's like they people were like, oh, ravens, like they're looking at me. There's something, <laughs> you know, or they're doing these kind of smart things, or they're they can learn to do this and that, or they're hanging around dead bodies or, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, there's a ton. And so the, the idea of the Raven King, but like I was mentioning with, um, even in, uh, like Maggie Stiefvater, which is young adult fantasy. Um, but it has to do with Welsh mythology. Um, like, so the Ravens and a Raven King is in that. And then in this book, it's the, the Raven King, or the Black King, or yeah, he has different names, but ravens are his thing. Um, and then in the other, um, like mythologies, yeah, there's ravens um, with gods or yeah, powerful people, and so yeah, so it's really really fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so and they can be depicted as good or bad or just you know whatever, <laughs> somewhere in between. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, what are some other? Did you did you mention some other? Like, we, so there's ravens. That, um. What are some? Um, other? I think you said something earlier about bells. Yeah, bells. The, yeah. That that every time up. a bell rings, a, f- a fairy gets their wings. <laughs> <laughs> Not in this story. <laughs> yeah. So, in this, um. Yeah, the bells, and and it was done well, I think, in the miniseries. Um, they have the, yeah, I mm-hmm. hadn't even, like, noticed that, really, until you mentioned it, and then it started, like, once I was aware of it, it started popping up 
more and more, so I'm sure it had been going on all along. But yeah, um, I'm trying to remember the scene. I think it's when Arabella, who is Jonathan Strange's wife, um, when the like man with the thistle down hair, who is the evil fairy, like starts talking to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just thinks he's a regular person and um, doesn't know that he's like stalking her, basically. <laughs> And I think he goes away, and Stephen Black runs out and, like, is ringing a bell or something. I don't know. But, like, it, it's kind of something you can use to summon between worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that kind of goes back to, like, more, like, ancient pagan practices. That Yeah, bells can be used to frighten spirits away. Like, you can clear, um, clear spaces with them, um, like, cleanse energies and stuff, but they can also be used to summon. Mm-hmm. And that, that actually reminds me, one of my favorite authors is Garth Nix, and he wrote the, um, Abhorson series, mm-hmm. um, that starts with Sabriel, but it's these, um, necromancers that they can bind or expel demons or control demons with um, bells, like different kinds of bells. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, yeah. So yes, it was just so it's interesting. So this is like uh, so a form of magic, but it's sound magic. Like, isn't that kind yeah. of cool? So there are different types of magic depicted in this um, story, but they all have roots in like real world mythology, um, like ancient. Uh, folk tales and fairy tales of of our world, um, which of course this story is set in our world, but it's historical fiction. But anyway, yeah, and so like in the miniseries, they show um, like when the the enchanted people are trying to speak about their enchantment, like you can hear the faint tinkling of bells, um, meaning that like some fairy mojo is happening. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. and then um, of course when the Man of Thistle Down Hair, the, um, the the fairy prince or fairy king, when he is calling for uh, Stephen Black, who he is kind of taken on and as his servant or companion, um, like he's ringing yeah, and, the bell and, and, and pro- the promised him a kingship in the fairy world, basically. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. In the book, he's talking about giving him a kingship in the fairy world, but in the miniseries, it's that he wants to give him the kingship of. Of Lon- of England. I don't know. I forget which episode that's in, but oh, okay. that he wants to like do in <laughs> the current king, who has gone mad. He's like an old, an old elderly man who's gone mad. But um, yeah. So you assume that he, you know. So anyway, he wants because there's a prophecy: the nameless slave shall be king. And um, anyway. So even the viewer is like, oh, like he's supposed. The prophecy is that he's supposed to be. That's king. a good tie-in with like actual history because mm-hmm. I think wasn't King George actually mad? <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's why it's in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's but it. that's kind of cool because that is kind of a real-world tie-in. So maybe he was like enchanted in this story. Yeah, which is interesting because yeah, it says that he like when a fairy was because all the yeah, all the enchanted it. people are insane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Only the enchanted people can see the fairies, but they can't tell anybody about it because everything that comes out of their mouth is, like, nonsense. Yeah. Well, also, and that's a a thing that we mentioned, like, so madness is a theme in this book because Mm -hmm. at one point, Jonathan Strange, he's so desperate um, to get fairy help. I don't, I guess I should, like, should I say, because his wife gets spirited away, but he thinks she's dead. Yeah. Which is, like, brings in another aspect of fairy, which is the changelings or the fairy kidnapping, uh, child kidnappings. But anyway, right. yeah, so he so he determines that in order to um, see a fairy, he needs to go mad in order to actually, like, be very powerful in magic. And so he does, <laughs> he, meets a, he meets someone with species dysphoria, which means, like, she thinks she's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually turns her into a cat, like, but he takes her madness. Oh, great. Like, he pretty much does, like, makes a deal with her. Maybe it's that Norwegian girl that's been thinking. She- <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, it's oh, a real, okay. I know it, it's a real thing. But... I Yeah. No, I just saw a video this week. This Norwegian girl thinks she's a cat. It's very silly. <laughs> yeah, she needs Jonathan Strange to right. <laughs> change her. Um but I kind of forgot what we're talking about. Sorry. No, it's fine. But it's just, yeah, so he there's meets so many the, yeah, things the... to talk about in this. Like, um, mm-hmm. it's exciting. We were talking about bells. So, yes. yes well, okay, back there. on that. So we've got some bell magic. We've also got some mirror magic. Yes, that's that's another point. So that's like a visual yeah. magic. So it's, it's mm-hmm. really cool, these, yeah. Like the very first spell that um, Jonathan Strange does he yeah he like run yeah it's it, exactly yeah he runs into this guy out in the street who tells him he's a magician and he just kind of takes that at face value the hedge wizard yeah the, the yes yeah, he's like i found a job i know <laughs> i'm going to be a magician it's all de- it's all like predestined <laughs> yeah he's like and everyone's like okay got it yeah so yeah and he like immediately performs the spell um yeah, and enchant yeah, scries into this mirror and he can see Mr. Norrell. Yeah, which is, so it's interesting. So it's so in the the book and the show it's with uh mirrors and water. And so it's reflective surfaces. And this and like yeah. this isn't not something that was made up for the story. Like it's something that is Yeah, yeah, like that's how you scry. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. but how interesting is that? Like just the um, even in China, there's something, like in ancient Chinese mythology, there's something called the fauna of mirrors, which, so it's a Chinese myth that they believe that behind every mirror is a different world. It's like other dimensions, basically, behind oh, okay. mirrors. And Ooh, interesting. Yeah, so like even, so again, it's one of those ideas that's across the world. Um, but yeah, I think, because there's that mystery of a reflection you know, it's just like Alice through the looking glass. It's like, I know, I was just about to mention yeah. Alice, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, so it's just it's very interesting. And then, yeah, so in the story, um, he learned, like, not so not only scrying or being able to see th- um, other things through a mirror or through water, but um, Strange learns how to travel via yeah, reflective pass between surfaces. worlds. Yeah, yeah. And and which is kind of cool because I was thinking because he goes to um, the King's Roads, which it's kind of like a network, the mirror network, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that reminded me of like the Wood Between the Worlds 
in um, the Narnia series. Oh, okay. Where it yeah, has all yeah. the little pools, and then each one is a is a basically like a portal to another dimension, another world. Um, but yeah, so that so like that goes off the same that same uh, mythology, I guess. Um, but then that brings up so the King's Roads. That those are another road name for like ley lines or fairy paths. Which are also real, <laughs> real things. <laughs> I mean, you know, from our world's history. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh! Like it's just so, so <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So fairy paths and ley lines. Those are things that. Those are. Um, I mean, uh, what do you call it? Folklorically speaking, <laughs> um that they cross the whole planet and they're like lines of basically lines of magic that crisscross and so like a lot of ancient so it's believed that a lot of ancient or important um, sites are are were built upon like intersecting lines um anyways okay. and that's actually something that's that's talked about in Maggie Stiefvater's Raven Cycle books too <laughs> um, about the ley lines and that really important um, but yeah so very cool <laughs> yes um, um, we get lots of um, raising from the dead yes um, so beginning beginning with yeah. Lady Pole but not ending with her um, because you know we've got some soldiers that are resurrected for information yeah like zombie yeah that was super creepy <laughs> yeah and that was a real that turning point too for yeah. strange like in the like it's no longer just kind of clever or fun magic yeah that, like he was really feeling the impact of because the yeah the guy like they were not restored <laughs> their bodies were not restored they're simply their spirits were brought back and into their decomposing bodies and then they gave them information about the war and then he couldn't put them down again like he couldn't release that, their spirits it, again and they were asking to be give, like taken to their families and their little children. I know that part that was really sad yeah. because yeah when he did bring them back it's like okay you know that's one thing but then you're like oh these are people's souls you're messing with you know you pulled them out of wherever yeah, so they he were. Was realizing that yeah, and you is... can't kill them. Like, he tries to kill them, and he can't. Yeah, um, yeah and they're asking to go to their children. That's what they say. Because they're alive again. Like what, you know, of course they want to you know, right. see their families. And... Yeah, so... and so they end up being burned, I guess. Like, yeah, we so just he did start that... to kind of feel the weight of um, yeah. Yeah, the, the magic he's messing with. Yeah, and that, and that was when he was tapping into the ancient magic, like the the non-respectable magic, I guess. Right. And, uh, the non-respectable. Yeah. Mr. Norrell would not... <laughs> but it's, and so it's Mr. N so it's Norrell, but then he, even he starts calling himself Norrell after a while because it's like I know. the fancy I, fa I, fashion that, name. <laughs> like, before I, before I started watching this, like, I had Norrell in my head, mm -hmm. even though I would probably pronounce it Norrell in real life. But then, yeah, everybody's saying Norrell, including him. Mm -hmm. But then he changes the way he pronounces it later. I'm like, I'm confused. Yeah, it's because he was now on. high society. <laughs> oh, okay. Norell. Okay, yeah, I think okay. Drawlight is the one that coined 
Got you. Okay, no, yeah. Was, right, yes. <laughs> he was the first person that said that. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, once he came down to the south, he, you know, changed his identity, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so fairy roads. So, we've got ravens, bells, mirrors, fairy roads. or uh, And then also, and we hinted on it, um, so changelings. And I... I what, I forget which episode that's in, but so the man with the thistle down hair, the the fairy king, um, he takes a shine to Arabella. And so if you think of like a Midsummer Night's Dream, like Oberon and Titania, and they're like fighting over uh, a little boy, like little human child. So it's like fairies are known for wanting to possess pretty things. Yeah, and especially like take an interest, like human, pretty humans, I guess, like um, <laughs> because they're lonely and they're, uh, I guess, their own company is really boring and stuff. They just, <laughs> but um, so that kind of reminded me. So like that mentality is very fairy esque in mythology. Um, yeah, and that because he spans... wanted Lady Pole, and then he also saw Arabella and wanted her. Right. Yeah. That kind of spans different cultures too, mm-hmm. because there, yeah, there are certain cultures that like um, babies are born and they just call them ugly and awful, but they don't really mean that. They they yeah. say it in like a loving way, but they just you know want the want the spirits to think that to it's not away. worth yeah yeah it's not worth taking yeah exactly yeah, and especially with yeah especially with children because like you know it was so common for children to die you know mm-hmm. so they don't want. Um, yeah, and the spirits the being attracted spirits to, to them. Take... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so with Arabella, like, so the eventually he, um, the fairy king does spirit her away uh, or kidnap her to the realm of fairy, um, but he leaves in her place. Uh, he, well, in the story, it's called a moss oak. But it is a changeling, basically, um, because in some of the changeling mythology, it's that they would leave, the fairies would take the human child and then leave a piece of wood in its place. Okay. Sometimes they would leave, this. like often you hear that they would leave a fairy child in its place. And that was a way that people would explain, um, like if their child was deformed, they're like, oh, it's a changeling, it's a fairy child, like, oh, okay, um, which is really sad, so there's a really sad history of, because, and then they, people would, like, kill, kill I know, like, the whole reason that these, like, myths exist were because of, like, how people were just, just was, yeah, yeah, oh my gosh, some of the stuff I read was really terrible, explain the, how they tried to tell if a child was a changeling, because the child would die, and it's like, oh, oh, okay, well, the child's with God. So it's right. okay. Win-win. <laughs> like, what? Also, oh, my gosh, you just... I'm not even yeah, going like, to like, about it, but, like... Witch, witch trials yeah. on, on children. So oh. this, so, but in... So this is kind of, in this story, it's a parallel of a human being taken and then a piece of wood being put in its place. But in this, but in the story, it was a moss oak, which, uh, moss folk is a kind of fairy or moss maidens and an oak tree. So folk and oak is kind of like phonetically <laughs> rhymes, but anyway, but also oak trees are very auspicious in um, folklore. But anyway, so a moss oak, but he gave it the form of Arabella. 
So, um, so anyway, so it's basically like a, ch a changeling, but from, and a piece of wood, <laughs> an animated piece of wood, I guess. <laughs> like you kind of have to see it or read the book or see the, to, to oh, like okay. know what it is. But, but anyway, so that's like based in that, um, that, like a, that a, a piece of wood was put in place of, um, the human. So that was kind of cool that, um, mythology put in there. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I have to look at my list and see. <laughs> um. Well, shall we get into food? Yes. Oh, well, um, yes, I know we need to <laughs> move along. Um, so something that, or just uh, something else I thought that was interesting. Um, I was reminded of Houdini and Doyle. Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. They were like best friends, but then they had different views on, well, it was like on religion and um, mysticism, I guess, but it kind of reminded me mm -hmm. of Strange and Norrell. Okay, um, yeah, definitely the, companions, but, you know, had a falling out over a difference of opinion. Well, and they kind of lashed out at each other through written work. And so in the in Strange and oh, Norrell, yeah. they kind of starts writing this, his own. They start writing their own books. Yeah, so they and like gave bad reviews and stuff like that. Yeah, so that was <laughs> something that I thought was interesting. Um, and then, yeah, and then of course the people who use or who were who used magic or who were influenced by magic had got some gray hair, and that's I mean that's not anything that is like like I couldn't find anything substantial written about that but it's just something that is all it's like the norm now have you ever noticed that like in shows or stories where like for magic users or people affected by magic their hair turns steadily oh, okay. gray or has gray streaks or turns white like i've noticed that just like throughout my life like in different stories and i think they yeah, did I, that, that in this that show seems familiar i can't think of like a but it's not i don't think it's anything that is actually like a, a real mythology like you know like we can look up about bells or mirrors or what oh, okay so it's just maybe it maybe it's like something that came around in a visual medium yeah it's a good way to kind of show but isn't that interesting happening. like it, that is interesting it, yeah it it's is kind of like one a of these things like what we've been discussing but it's not but yeah it's i guess it's a more modern thing but it's not really it doesn't have anything really written about it Oh, that's or, interesting. I'm going to have yeah. to look into that. But the symbolism, <laughs> but it's, you know, because it's based, it's the symbolism of, you know, that magic comes with a price or that magic changes you or, or takes something away from you or like your energy right. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. Cause you, by, by using it, you start kind of becoming older and weaker and, yeah. um, kind of, um, accelerating the aging process or whatever. Yeah. Or like draining your energy or something. Yes. <laughs> okay. I know. So the <laughs> There's so, so many interesting things, but yes. Um, yeah, it is very dense and lot. Yeah, lots to lots to discover and lots to yeah talk so, about. So yeah, we can, let's talk but about food. <laughs> so this we can is move a food along. podcast. <laughs> yes. So let's get into food. All right. Um, one of the first things. Yeah, I, I was taking notes on the mini series and said like one of the, one of the first things we get is this group of magicians, which are not really magicians. They're like. They're called something different in the book. They're like fr friends of English magic or something like that. And they're it's meeting the up in York. Yes, society. Yeah, English. up in the city of York in Yorkshire. And they're um, meeting at this pub. And so, the star like, 
Yes. <laughs> so, That's yeah, cool. just we get visuals of like bread and like these like slabs of meat and you know pitchers of ale and yeah, they're it's at like this long steaks or something. <laughs> yeah, I know, like whatever they're eating. So. Um, so that's, that's what we get in... And it looked like, yeah, like bread and potted mustard, maybe, too. Like okay, pots yeah. pots of mustard. It's, yeah. So. Yeah, so some typical old pub yeah. fare. Um, let's see, moving along we have, um... Warm lemon and nutmeg. Oh, I missed that. that one. What's that? Uh, when Norrell is first meeting, um, Sir Walter Pohl. Oh, um, that's right, and, and he yeah, meets, like uh, he meets Emma. La- yeah, Lady Paul. Well, pre pre Lady Paul. Yeah, <laughs> it's like winter or something. Winter her... Winter Town or yeah. something like that. Yeah, and she's like hacking up along, so yeah. she's very ill. And it's not in the book, um, so that was kind of a nice ad- little addition. Um, that yeah, he says like warm lemon and nutmeg. Is, you know, usually helps me when I, you know, when I feel unwell. But they just kind of ignore him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but so but, but that's kind of nice because that sounds benefits. like kind of a like a like a folk remedy. Yeah, type yeah. Thing, so no, you know? uh, lemon and nutmeg they do have very, um, very great health benefits. Um, like I looked up stuff. I don't know if we should like <laughs> if we want to go into, it. but yeah. So it's, of course, lemon because it's citrus. Like it has vitamin C, um, and like I have this whole list of like how lemon is. <laughs> um, it helps flush out toxins. Like warm lemon uh, helps flush out toxins, and um, it can help prevent the growth of like bacteria and infections reduce pain and inflammation anyway yeah so lemon is awesome and then also um yeah nutmeg it helps it helps your brain helps indigestion helps um detox helps with pain relief um helps to sleep uh so anyway okay all kinds of benefits so excellent yeah mr norrell knows what he's talking about (laughs) Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not enough to keep her alive, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Jonathan's drinking some brandy on a Sunday night, like you do, <laughs> uh, um, with Arabella's brother. She mm-hmm. won't marry him, and he's complaining about it. He's like, maybe that's because you're getting drunk on a Sunday night and you yeah. don't have a job. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, uh, and then uh, Vinculus. He's the street magician. Um, yeah. He steals a meat pie from a from a street seller in London. Nice. That's I don't think that's in the book, but yeah. <laughs> so in the book, there's there aren't specific there aren't very many specific food mentions, but there are. Oh, okay, scenes yeah. I was, I was I was wondering because like where, I wondered if you had looked up some of these I like did. dinner scenes or party scenes and yeah so yeah. so I didn't finish reading the book um I started reading it and then I was like oh my gosh I'm like there's no way I'm gonna get to read all this <laughs> um, but I did so I watched the series the miniseries in the summer but then I rewatched it for the podcast and then made food notes and then I looked I used those notes to go through the book to find with corresponding scenes to see if food mm-hmm. was mentioned but for the most part it's just they sat down to breakfast or they were at a party a dinner party or you know but they don't describe the food so 
Oh, yeah. okay. So anyway, so yes, this list from the series that we're talking about now is the miniseries. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a meat pie, and then we go to the, the next scene, I think, I think where there's food is when Strange is sitting down with Arabella and her brother in their home, and they have... Um, some ham slices. So there are a lot of ham slices. <laughs> yeah, like bread and ham and hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> yes, lots of hard-boiled eggs. They have this, like, egg holder mm -hmm. that, yeah, that sits on the table and, you know, has eggs all around it. So. Yeah. Um, and in this scene, so this is the scene right before they do the, he does the mirror scrying. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, there's like a bowl of something red. I don't know if it's beets or what, but they just, like, you just glimpse it for a second. So they have, like, slices of ham and bread. And then when they're making room for him to put the mirror down, like, Arabella, there's this bowl, like, tall bowl, and there's, like, something red in it that she, like, set, moves aside. Hmm. I don't know <laughs> what. I don't know. It, there wasn't. Yeah, like, I don't remember. I might have to go back and have a look. Yeah, so something random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it was before or after that, but um, after Mr. Norrell brings Emma back to life, like, the next day, she's actually happy because she hasn't gone to sleep yet and had to go to the evil fairy ball. Mm -hmm. um, but they have this feast, and she's very, like, you know, happy and animated at the table. And let's see, there's... Oh, I yeah. saw bowls of white soup, so yeah, I wonder yeah, if, <laughs> so I wonder if our you know Pride and Prejudice white soup white soup made an appearance. Yeah, I know. I was like um, white soup. <laughs> yeah, but one of the servants. So everybody's happy because Mr. Norrell has so done some day. magic, and they kind of respect that. But um, one of the servants spills soup on him. Yeah. Uh, um, and they, they apologize. They're like, oh, some of the servants are very superstitious or whatever. So, mm -hmm. um, they know what's up. And in the book, yeah. it further explains that the servants were, were seeing the, the spilling over of the fairy realm. Oh, okay. In the house. Like they saw the, the, the man, the fairy, uh, man, or they saw, they heard, um, music that wasn't like otherworldly music, or they heard, they saw um, like a an encroaching wood outside the the window. So and oh, they're okay. all super so. spooked and yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, so yeah, the same t same table. Yeah, I noticed like they had a big fancy dish of peanuts <laughs> and <laughs> a tray of like little pink and red something, like little tarts or something. They would like strawberries on top. Um, and then, like, a really tall pastry, like a, um, a crusted pastry that had, like, orange slices around the bottom. Oh, yeah, and, I noticed that, too. And then something, it was tall and brown, and it had, like, a mess of cherries on top. It almost <laughs> looked like an upturned log, but it was, like, a pastry, I guess, but it had, like, a bunch of cherries on top. And then, like, roast beef, yeah, and then the soup, and then fresh fruit. And dried fruit. Yeah, so it was like a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> fancy, <laughs> fancy tata stuff. Um, and then in a scene before that was uh, when Strange... So Mr. Segundus and Mr. Honeyfoot, and we meet them in the beginning. They're originally part of the York Society. Yeah, they're part of, yeah, they're part of the Friends of English Magic, but like Mr. Segundus in particular is like, really interested in magic and, and yeah well and he has yeah. a propensity for it um 
at least you know, like he has an inclination for it. Yeah, um, yeah. But he so when he first meets Strange, it's when they go to um, Ab Mistress or Absalon's house. I think it's in the book. It's called Shadow House. Um, but it's this old uh, empty uh, manor. And so they, so Segundus and Honeyfoot have purchased it to start a school of magic. And, but when they get there, they find that um, Jonathan Strange is already, is there, like, um, calling up, having like a dream, uh, <laughs> calling up uh, the, the former, Miss Absalon, who was the former, um, she was a magician. She was like one of the great magicians in oh, her okay. time. Um, anyway. Oh, I'm glad we get a female magician. Yeah, well, so, so um, in recorded, in recorded magical history in this world, um, there were like two really famous female magicians. Um, but but in the Ladies of Grace, I do. So mm-hmm. that is a story that takes place while Jonathan Strange is the um, student or the apprentice of Mister Norrell. But it takes place, like, in a different county or whatever. Well, it takes place in a, in a place called Grace Adieu, which... Anyway, and they happen to, like, meet Jonathan Strange. Anyway, it's, a, like, it's a good little story, but it's about three women who covertly are magicians. Like, learn magic oh. and do magic. But they're kind of... They're definitely... I like it. ...more wild. Like, they're not as constrained... They're not gentle gentlemen. They don't do gentlemen's magic. <laughs> and so it's kind of the idea that like women are like can be very powerful magicians and they have different sentiments or di- different mentality and, and sentimentality, so they do it differently and for different reasons. Mhm. And have the potential just to be like more powerful, like really awesome. Oh, okay. So is, so that was kind of a cool short story. Um, cool. But yeah, and so they're having like a, so they discover that they're having a little picnic. <laughs> that Strange and Arabella <laughs> and um, his servant Jeremy are are having like a picnic, and she says, "Do take an egg before he eats them all." Like because in the <laughs> in the show, it's the he, Jonathan Strange is like always eating hard boiled eggs. <laughs> like that's yes. his thing, even when like on the battlefield or like when yeah, summoning a spirit under like in the basement of a house. Like he's always. <laughs> Yeah, and there were ham slices there yeah. as well, and yellow cheese, and yeah. <laughs> yep, I mean, gotta get your protein yeah. if you want to do some magic, I guess. Yeah, it's his, like, on-the-go, on-the-go protein. Hardball <laughs> <laughs> oh, eggs. Let's see. Um, Arabella is offered, I forget where they are. Oh, they're at the poles. A... Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, it. so she's offered <laughs> some seed cake. Yeah. And Jonathan Strange is like, no, she hates it. <laughs> well, yeah, and so that's a scene that is in the book. Because that was, oh, okay. really, like, the scene really stood out in the show. And so I was like, let's see if it's in there. Um, yeah, so um, Sir Walter Pohl, he's trying to be a gracious host because he asked Jonathan Strange to come over to do some, like, war stuff. And so Mrs. Strange is also... You know, he she accompanied Jonathan, so he's trying to make her feel comfortable, and he's like, perhaps some tea, seed cake, and then Jonathan Strange interjects, oh, Arabelle does not care for seed cake. It is a thing that she particularly dislikes. 
And then Arabella in the show, Arabella says, Arabella is not a three-year-old, Jonathan. Right. (laughs) I can speak for myself. So that's something that um, commenters about the show have noticed. I mean, like, everyone loved the adaptation, but just the Mm -hmm. difference between the the book and the show was that Arabella was given more... um, Agency? Depth, I guess. Or, like, the actress just did a really great job. Um, But yeah, so, like, in the book, Arabella just lets it pass. Like she's not because she doesn't, (laughs) not because she's a passive person, but just because she allows her husband, like she understands that he is eccentric. And so in the scene in the book, it's described that he just very much wants to get on with this business. And so like the business at hand. And so he's, okay. So that's why he's like, we don't need snacks. Yeah. Like he's just like, she's fine. She's fine. (laughs) Let's just go and do this. Yeah. Cause there are a couple of other things that he like interjects and is like, no, just come on. (laughs) And she just kind of was like, "Hmm, okay. Yes, you're right. I'm fine. Go on and take care of me. I could eat some seed cake. (laughs) Yeah. So, but seed cake is also in Tolkien. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know there are some. That's like, right. Tolkien yeah, it is. It is recipes. a very hobbity food. Yeah. Yes. So, seed cake. Um, yeah, and then there is a couple breakfasts where um, more ham slices, <laughs> more ham, and some more wheat toast eggs. and butter. Oh, and, and red these jam. and big old rolls. Like those yeah, are on every single rolls. table, no matter yeah. where we are. Like the set designers love these big rolls, <laughs> and they get mentioned too. Um, when, like, in the scene where there's, like, a ship. Yeah, the horse That's, scene. like, on its side. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we get a great, like, magic scene where, you know, um, Jonathan, like, gets on his hands and knees yeah, and, like, pounds really the cool. sand and makes horses that run out to the ship and, and set it upright. And this is right after, like, people had been giving him a hard time. So after he's done, he goes, hot rolls and marmalade, anyone? Yeah. <laughs> And Boom, which is drop. cool that so the shoal was called so the shoal that the ship was run aground on or whatever was supposed to run was called horse sand shoal. Yeah. Um and there's and then um years later in eighteen sixty five they built horse sand fort. Oh, okay. There. Yeah. So so this was taking place like in the early eighteen hundreds, but then later that was yeah horse they became horse sand fort um oh and so that also reminded me of the imagery of um in mythology of the horses of the water um that the white waves um uh, are reminiscent of a herd of horses that's um like in greek mythology also and it's in the the last unicorn by peter s beagle um but that Neptune, his animal are, are horses. His animal is a horse. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. That's interesting. Because, I mean... But yeah, so there, horse, there is a mythology. Horse is imagery. not a sea. Yeah, <laughs> no, sea horses. No, just kidding. But, yeah. Well, let me look at it really quick. Um, but, yeah, that there there is... So that's part of mythology, too, is that imagery ah, of horses in the ocean. I like it. Like, the, the waves are their manes and... Um, yeah, and, that, and that's why in The Last Unicorn that imagery was put in there, too. So the next scene I've got is, yeah, like you mentioned, um, Jonathan Strange goes to Le- Lisbon, Portugal, 
to help the English army. He's reading a letter from Arabella and, like, chowing down on this boiled egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, him and them eggs. <laughs> yeah, and then we get a food mention because, um, you know, he's he's telling Lord Wellington, who's not impressed, you know, how he can help with his magic. And he's like, he offers to make a plague of locusts or frogs to rain down upon the French. Lord Wellington say he may as well drop roast chickens. <laughs> yeah, because in the, in the book, in the book, it's, uh, it explains uh, why he rejects that idea or that suggestion because the French eat frogs, ah, and so I, it would be like it would be as if you were just giving them roast. I chickens. was, yeah, I was okay. <laughs> I was wondering if that had anything to do. Yeah, with so like, they did not a very it nice show, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So they, that's, yeah, they talk that's about that. That's a stereotype, and... Lord Wellington. I don't think you're a very <laughs> well, they were their enemies, so he's going to say whatever. right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah. He says like, "How do we feed two hundred men on eight chickens?" Yeah, <laughs> and then the soldiers are eating some kind of soup at one oh, point. Oh, like some kind of awful gruel that they're <laughs> they're cooking in in a pot over the fire. Maybe it's like stone and, soup or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and so, like, while they're eating this awful gruel or whatever, um, you know, Jonathan asks them um, what they most want, and one asks for a woman, and the other asks for toasted bloody cheese. Yeah, he said, and that's in the book. That's another thing that's in the book. I like, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's, and in the book it's clarified that it's a Welsh soldier, and so Welsh rabbit, sometimes called Welsh rare bit rare bit um but but originally it was called welsh rabbit but it was oh, okay. cheese like it was not rabbit <laughs> but it was cheese toast and so so the fact that it's a welsh so, uh, okay. explained that it's a welsh soldier that is gotcha. exclaiming that he wants yeah um and then in in one of the stories in the grace Adu anthology or collection is um about john usglass which is the raven king one of his mm-hmm. other names um, but it's a coal burner, and his dealings with John uh, Usglass or the Raven King. Um, but at one point, the coal burner was toast. So the coal burner was toasting some of the cheese that he had been given. He's just like this poor, uh, very poor person, um, and he went to go look for his pig, uh, who was like his best companion because he wanted to share the toasted cheese with him, with his pig. Um, and then the Raven King <laughs> comes, and he's looking around for the coal burner, or the charcoal burner, but he doesn't see him. And then he sees, it says, his eye fell upon the toasted cheese. Now, toasted cheese is a temptation few men can resist, be they charcoal burners or kings. John Usglass reasoned thus, all of Cumbria belonged to him, therefore this wood belonged to him. Therefore, this toasted cheese belonged to him. <laughs> so he sat down and ate it, allowing his dogs to lick his fingers when he was done. <laughs> nice. Airtight yeah. logic. Yeah, and so the guy came back and he noticed that his toasted cheese <laughs> was gone. He's like, you! You <laughs> ate my dinner! <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that was really interesting. So that was a, nice. that's a story where John Usglass, the Raven King, kind of gets his comeuppance. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, so that was, I thought that was. Do you was know who funny. you're talking to? Yeah, well, the charcoal burner didn't know that it was like his song was really powerful. It's a it's a really funny <laughs> story, but yeah, so that's <laughs> more <laughs> mention of <laughs> toasted cheese. <laughs> nice, I like it. Yeah. I could go for a toasted cheese. Yeah, 
Um, so some more. So the officers, the the soldiers. Um, so it's more of the soldier scenes, but the officers, they're like having nice dinner. They're like eat, yeah. eating all the chickens, or they're having a nice breath breakfast with like fruitcake or something. Or, Every time yeah. he goes to <laughs> yeah to tent. meet with like the upper ranking officers or whatever. Yeah, they have this like lavish spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like there's definitely a contrast with you know how you know the the troops on the ground are eating yeah. and then these people they do have like a really nice spread more of these rolls doesn't matter where in the world we are we've got these like rolls i told you the set yeah. designers love them um <laughs> wait, wait, let's put these on the table <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then so finally um you know jonathan comes up with some kind of magic that he can use to actually help the um the troops and this is when he starts dipping into the like old dark magic because they ask him to move a forest yeah. um and he's like well trees are living things these aren't just like the like things i've been doing like so with far. The rocks. So, yeah making the right so stuff. this is kind of a bigger deal and they're like whatever move the forest <laughs> so um they're but they're explaining this over dinner and they've got this like plate full of chicken bones mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're using it to like um you know show here's you know the portuguese oh, yeah or whatever, you know, here's this army, and here's us, and here's the forest, and we need you to just move it. So So easy. Yeah, that was a sad scene. No big deal. (laughs) Then in that scene, he lost all... Mr. Norrell's 40 books, plus dear servant, his dear servant, Jeremy. Yeah. And Jeremy is is given more character in in the book. Like, okay. he actually, he's, like, because in the series, he's kind of, like, not dopey, but, I don't know, like, just not really much to him, I guess. Like, very, <laughs> very loyal, but, like, but in the book, um, he's kind of sass, like, he has some sass to him and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so, and then we later find out that Draw Light um, has been going around pretending uh, pretending that he is like a spokesperson for Strange and is making money by telling people that he's going to get Jonathan Strange to give them personal magic lessons. Mm-hmm. And so finally he, Strange learns this and that's also the same time he learns how to travel through mirrors and he shows up in this lady's house where Drawlight <laughs> is trying to get you know money from her. And she... I quite enjoyed oh this lady. Oh my gosh. Mrs. She's Bullworth, yeah. Funny. She wants yeah, so to she's offer trying to. in law Yes, yes. She's, she's trying to get him to do spells for her and offers, like, all these hilarious ways to kill her mother-in-law. And one of which is choking her on her own apricot preserves or being or being <laughs> naked. Or Sorry, oh my gosh. <laughs> Autocorrect. <laughs> being naked. Being baked. <laughs> Bean and are right next to each other, <laughs> being baked in her own bread oven. <laughs> being, wow! Being naked in her own bread oven. <laughs> being baked in her own bread oven. Yeah, well, yeah. If she was naked, it'd be even worse. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she'd oh be gosh. down for that. Yeah. So, and then the other one was like drowning in a tub of laundry or something. But like, right. So, but two like, were food related. <laughs> two out of three ways to kill her. Yeah. Were food related. Were yeah. Food related. So. so nice. Good on you. Yeah. Uh, and then at the asylum, um, well, so it's interesting that, um, so Mr. Segundus and Honeyfoot were 
they, as I mentioned before, they got this building, um, this like ancient magic building to start a magic school. Um, but it ended up that they were taking care of uh, Lady Pole there. So it kind of became like a, an asylum in a sense, but just for her. Like um, Anyway, so they're taking care of her. But in one scene, um, Segundus is feeding her some like white pudding or jello, like kind of. It was a molded white jiggly substance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, he, that he was like hand feeding or um, feeding her. Gotcha. (laughs) Mushy, mushy, crazy people food. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was like a, it looked like a jello. Like it was molded. Oh, okay. I didn't get that far. So yeah, I'm I'm to the end of my notes. Um, And then Honeyfoot had a, a, like a really old type of shotgun. I don't know. Like it's the kind that looks like a horn. (laughs) Like the end of it. I don't know what it's called. Anyway, he had a gun loaded with walnuts. (laughs) It was, I guess it's it's like a type of gun that you can just put whatever you want in it. (laughs) Oh, okay. And he had walnuts, but he shot the because the fairy, the fairy guy showed up, and was and ended up like cursing them all. But he, but Honeyfoot, shot him in the shoulder. Like he was the fairy oh. was turned, and he's like, Are... he's like, did you just shoot? Uh, did you shoot? Wait, oh, this, actually, that was later on. So, yeah. Anyway, so later on he says, why are you firing walnuts at me? That's what the fairy says to Honeyfoot. And then he does some, like, bad things to everybody. Oh, well, I was just going to ask, like, are walnuts to fairies, like, um, like silver bullets are to no. werewolves or something? <laughs> if, if only. Yeah. No. <laughs> Shoot them with walnuts, they'll stop, yeah. you know, enchanting you. <laughs> so. uh, and then in one scene... Um, Strange and Norrell are sitting down together and they have like a little tea service in front of them uh, and it shows like these little, little pow- powdery tea biscuits like with the, you know, the Ooh. like, what are they, Russian tea cakes or yeah. just with the little powder and there's them. like Italian wedding cookies yeah. or something, yeah um, and then like milk tea and sugar cubes so that that's one way that I, I think that is a very British thing, it's that it's tea and then you put milk in it and then add sugar Yep. Yeah, which I like to have my mint tea that way. Like, there's certain kinds of Ooh. teas that that's better with than others. Some yeah. teas require yeah, sugar like there, milk. Some just require there are milk. rules about that. Like in English society, like some some like varieties of tea call for milk, and some call for lemon. Yeah, or, hun- yeah, or like, honey, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this so this scene it showed, it was milk tea and sugar cubes. Yeah. Uh, and then after Arabella's death, her brother comes, and Strange is just trying all he can to... Like, he doesn't believe that she's gone. Like, I mean, he believes that he can bring her back. Yeah. So he's not, like, grieving. <clears throat> but he's like, come now, let's have something to eat. I can spare half an hour. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can spare half an hour out of my schedule for, of, tr- of my try- bi- obsessively my busy. trying to... <laughs> figure out how to bring her back yeah and their brother her brother is just like what are you like she's dead what are you even anyway so it looks like they have tomato bisque by the fire oh nice yeah um and then the old lady the cat lady she ate a bird and then there was some mouse (laughs) eating later on ew uh. yeah and there was some mouse eating in lady adieu as well um, but mm. but the ladies were. What's up with you, Susanna? Clark? The ladies were uh, were owls at the time, so. Oh, okay, so that, that's acceptable. <laughs> yeah, um, and then Flora. There's a lady, a young lady that he meets while he's in Venice, 
um, mm-hmm. Aunt Flora and her dad, and they had they like stop at a cafe and they're like pastries with almonds, and he's eating a hard boiled egg, of course, and then there's like some deep magenta drink. I I am assuming it's wine or something, but. For some, they are in Italy. Yeah, but it, but it didn't seem, it's like wine with, but it looked like they should be having tea. I mean, because it was just like a little, like little tea cakes, and then he's eating an egg. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. It's is. like these, these. It, but it looked like it should be fruit juice or something. Like they weren't right. in wine glasses. They were just in like, <laughs> so anyway. Um, well, I didn't see that scene, but I, like I know in Italy, they just, in a, certain places, they just drink wine out of regular glasses is like a thing yeah okay so it, like it must have been it's either wine yeah. or beet juice but sure <laughs> wine or beet yeah, juice. Sure okay. beet juice. yeah. <laughs> all right we've narrowed it down <laughs> i guess it could have been like hibiscus tea or something i don't know but anyway <laughs> i'm sure it was wine um and then um at with john segundus and honeyfoot um at their place their breakfast um they're having some beet stew with bread and then um i think it was honeyfoot said this stew is excellent have some bread <laughs> um nice more meat pies with vinculus um oh and i can't remember who said this. so children mass children mass is like my favorite character or what i like children mass and segundus are my favorite He's characters like, yeah norrell's creepy like servant <laughs> yeah and Susanna Clark said originally he was just supposed to be a villain like a bad guy or or just like someone that you're not supposed to like or whatever but then right. but she but she's like no there's way more to this guy than meets the eye and <laughs> well so at first like, I thought he was gonna be a bad guy because <laughs> like I said he is kind of creepy looking yeah you know, and you're he supposed to think hair, his hair's kind of disheveled you know and he is kind of gruff and whatever <laughs> so yeah um, so at one point he, um, so Mr. Lascelles, he like goes crazy at the end and well, like super greedy and stuff. Um, but he cuts Childermas's face and I, I forget who said it, but like someone said, good Lord, M- Mr. Childermas, but what has happened to your face? <laughs> I think maybe it was Honeyfoot or or it's Segundus. Anyway, and Childermas says someone mistook it for an apple. Like he just dismisses <laughs> it with that comment. Like eh, it was no, no big, big deal. deal. Yeah. Well, because he let he let Lasalle cut his face while he reached into Lasalle's pocket to retrieve oh, okay. retrieve something. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and then they used um, occupational. <laughs> yeah. Which is like he, he's just so cool. Um, so they, in the end, when they were summoning the Raven King, um, Norrell and Strange, they used a pear as part of the spell to summon the Raven King. It was a pear yeah. tree. It was a pear from a pear tree that was grown from the seeds that the Raven King spit out, like, hundreds of years ago. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, well, that's kind of like a, a kind of myth- mythological tie-in. Yeah. Well, it, is, I guess. yeah, it was like three parts to the spell, and they used yeah. the stones that, um, because, uh, Hurtfew, Hurtfew, anyway, the abbey that, um, Norrell lived in, were, that was built from the stones of the Raven King's place, mm-hmm. um, and then, <clears throat> like, there was a river, anyway, so they, it was, they used, like, yeah, these different elements to summon the Raven King. Uh, and the last thing I have written down 
Uh, so at the end of the show, so Finculus, Finculus is revealed that he is the Book of the Raven King. Like, his dad was entrusted with, um, uh, what's, handing off the Raven King's book to someone else, but en route to where he's supposed to deliver the book, he, like, got drunk, and then he, like, ended up eating the book, because I think he, like, <laughs> lost a card game, I don't know, I can't remember, but, like, but then he, um, sired a child and the child <laughs> was born with which was vinculus like was born with the text writ like on his skin oh okay interesting and so he this... was he is the book um and then this story this weird story was not in the summary like i, kn- I know like vinculus <laughs> and stuff with the yeah yeah with the writing all over his body but like how how it got that way yeah. is not this is very interesting um and so, so at the very end, when the Raven King is brought back, he, um, and all, and the prophecy that was written on Vinculus's skin comes, has, you know, anyway, the course of the story, it has come true. And so, um, the Raven King, like, touches his skin and a new story is written there. Like, a new text mm. shows up. So at the very end of the show, um, and end of the book... There's a gathering of magicians or people who would would like to learn magic. Yeah, want to learn. Yeah, and Childermas is is there. So like Childermas and Vinculus are now like <laughs> the unlikely duo, <laughs> like they're <laughs> companions now. And um, so it, uh, Vinculus shows his skin to these people, and they're like, "Well, we can't read it." And like, what anyway? But it's like, "Well, we're gonna learn. Like, we're all gonna learn together." Um, and they're like, what are you now, sir? I don't know. Maybe I'm a recipe book. <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what he's thinking this says. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So nice I'm sure in the book there, there might be, I mean, there might be more mentions of food that I didn't discover, haven't discovered yet in the book. But um, but that yeah. was a lot. Like, and of course, the show being visual, like it showed a lot of yummy food. And, yeah, and stuff for us to guess at. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like, because from what I've read so far in the book, like, eggs aren't, the hard-boiled egg thing with Strange isn't really mentioned. I mean, maybe it is at one point, but I haven't come across it yet, but I like how the show made that a thing. Yeah, that like, you this, can is a, spy this is a character trait, yeah, that he's gonna the story, do. <laughs> yeah. So that was, I thought that was really cute. Yeah, I like that too, kind of adds to his quirkiness. Yeah. <laughs> so... Well, and because he is so active, and it is, like, that is a really good food. Like, it's his, it is his on-the-go food. Like, yeah, he's yeah. always active and, like, pursuing something. And he gets really, like, obsessed with discovering magic. And and, um, and in the book, he he is kind of, he always has his nose in a book, too. But but he's, like, more active. I don't know. He just has a more active personality than Norrell. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, but so it is kind of the perfect food for him because he can be active and just munch on an egg. <laughs> That's Hard right. Egg, yeah. <laughs> Even at army camp. Yeah, so that was cool that they included that. In <laughs> so tell us what you made. What's your recipe? Sure. Let's see. Well, I've noticed another trend of like how I go about this thing. I usually pick a recipe that shows up like early in the in the story mm-hmm. um because like like while I'm watching something or reading something like I'll be like thinking oh my gosh what am I going to make and so like I usually pick something near the beginning that I get to first mm-hmm. um so um I pick something from the very first food scene that we see in the series which is um when they're at this pub in Yorkshire well it's it's good because that they end up there too 
So that's oh, okay. so it's a nice... comes, comes full yeah, circle. So that's it. Yep, yep. So they could have eaten this on the very first day or the very last. Mm-hmm. So I made Yorkshire puddings, mm-hmm. and I made that with um, thin little sirloin steaks, but I made like a, um, with a, uh, what's the kind of cheese, Stilt- Stilton and walnut sauce oh. for them, and some like um, roasted onions too. So that, like that would be like a typical pub type thing. And Yorkshire puddings, which, you know, of course I've heard of, but like I didn't exactly know what they were. Um, the concept of these is just like a simple batter, like just um, eggs, milk, and flour. But the whole point of them is they, they originated back when, um, like in the pubs, they would they would cook meat like just hanging on a big hook over the fire. And so like the drippings would run down into this... Um, into the dough and kind of cook it that way. And so it's this dough cooked in meat drippings. So, um, and the way you make them nowadays, if you don't have like giant meat on a hook or whatever, um, is you can use the rendered fat from beef or whatever kind of, you know, meat you're cooking, or you could just use, um, oil or butter or something like that. And then just put like a little spoonful of that on the bottom of, um, like a muffin tin and put your batter on top of that and then bake it so it puffs up um, and it's kind of, you know, still kind of liquid, not liquidy, but like, you know, a little bit undercooked in the center and um, yeah, so that's what Yorkshire pudding is. So I, I made those. Nice. I like that you included the steak with it too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, where am I going to get some <laughs> rendered beef fat? I better cook some beef. Yeah. yeah so, like, a, yeah, the steaks are super simple. Like, I just pan fried them. And they were, like, cheap little steaks. Like, the cheese was more expensive than that. But, like, I had never tried Stilton either. Yeah, um, yeah it was like a very British cheese. Geronimo Stilton. Just yeah. kidding, <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically like a blue cheese, you know? Yeah. So, it was nice, mashed up with the walnuts. Yeah, that yeah so that's well, and you put walnuts in there. Are you, I did because yeah, me, from, they were shot out of a gun into my sauce. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah, pretty classic pop dish. So, how about Very you? What'd cool. you make? So I haven't made it yet. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I, I'm like I gotta keep reading this book, and so I like haven't stopped to like make to buy ingredients and make food. But I'm making toasted cheese. Oh, Which, it's like, oh, what, like, grilled cheese, whatever, that's so lame. But, like, I looked up, I was, you know, tried to look up some of the history and um, different versions of toasted cheese. So it can, like, it can translate modern day to, yeah, just like a grilled cheese sandwich. Which, a grilled cheese sandwich is never just a grilled cheese sandwich. Like, there are many ways that you can do oh, a really yeah. awesome grilled cheese sandwich. But, um, traditionally, it's... There were um, some some other ingredients that were included, um, like for Welsh rarebit and um, mustard, either mustard powder or um, just prepared mustard um, was a common additive, as well as um, Worcestershire, (laughs) Worcestershire sauce. Anyway, yeah, that sauce. Oh, nice. So, I approve. I like both yeah. those things. So it's, Especially so you, mustard. I'm a mustard fiend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, really, no, 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 you're fine. Sorry. Um, so I'm excited to to try it. So I've never had like a grilled cheese with those ingredients. Is there a um, particular type of cheese that you use 
Um, like, well, Welsh style cheddar, like nice, super, super awesome cheddar. Like, <laughs> I love cheddar. Me too. Um, I'm trying to find like I did find uh, just like an old recipe, but that's um, that's the gist of it. Is ye old grilled cheese yeah, sandwich, like cheese, like cheese on toast, or yeah, it's. But it, yeah, you would like toast the cheese, toast the bread for it. Like you'd butter the bread and then toast it, and then some. And then some people would make like a cheese sauce and pour it on oh. separately, or they would let you know just lay um, cheese slices on. Uh, like they would put the mustard on the bread and then put the cheese on and then put some Worcestershire sauce. Or some people use grated cheese. So it's interesting that there are, like, these yeah, like camps, techniques. camps <laughs> of, like, no, we're grilled. Like, grated cheese, you have to use grated cheese. Or, no, you have to use, like, slab cheese. Or, so it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool, uh, like, interesting to see, like, these different camps of... I know, it seems so... Um, preference. Yeah, it seems so simple, but, yeah. like, it comes down to the details. I've made, like, a... Um, grilled pimento cheese sandwich but the key to it was that you toast or you know you put butter in the pan and then you toast both sides of the bread mm-hmm. before you even put the pimento cheese in there that way it's like crispy on both sides yeah. that was like key to it plus it would like kind of make the cheese melt more mm-hmm. or whatever but yeah there there is an art to the grilled cheese sandwich yeah <laughs> so. so that's why i'm making <laughs> excellent and i and i like bought some little raven little black feathers to put in my photos <laughs> <laughs> and and i learned um I, you know so of course i'm like thinking about like taking the photographs as well so yeah so i got like these black feathers but also oh man i gotta up my you know <laughs> photo no, it's game. <laughs> but also um in the book it says that um wizards or wizards magicians were um given or were uh i don't know what the word is, like given ivy or um you know instead of like palm fronds or um i forget what they what examples they give but like how people are celebrated with certain types of like certain kinds of people are celebrated with certain kinds of foliage i guess <laughs> historically speaking like oh, okay. like christ with palm fronds yeah, or yeah, yeah. like that's kind of a, a religious thing or um i forget what other examples they give but they say that uh, magicians were given ivy oh okay um so anyway so well, yeah, i'll put some i have some fake some ivy I'll put ivy the... and raven feathers <laughs> But yeah, around your grilled cheese. <laughs> yeah, and so I should get some brown eggs and hard boil them and throw them in the background. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so other food. Um, so I noticed. So there's not there. There are not really any recipes um, online for Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell because it's, it's not like a food centric story by any means. Mm-hmm. But um, I discovered. Uh, the Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell um, podcast. I think there are only a couple episodes, oh. um, but they one post that they have on Tumblr has a recipe for seed cake. Oh, excellent. Um, and then The Black Letters, uh, which is a literary blog, um, they have an entry. This was from, like, 2010. Um, it is Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell Black Forest Raven Cake. So they uh, made this oh. really decadent, rich um, 
Black Forest's and uh, cake to go along with their reading of the of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. So nice. yeah, so we'll, we'll share those two um, posts. Um, yeah, but, but I did notice. So there's this um, other podcast, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell podcast, um, and then there is another podcast that they like talked about. They reviewed the book, and they also talked about the episode by episode. Talked about the miniseries. And it's called Lost Hope, a Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell podcast. So we'll put those links, um, you know, just for for yeah. their listening interest. Yeah. Sounds good. Great. Well, I guess we're ready to wrap up. Um, yeah, we'll put links to anything we talked about, plus our recipes, at our website, fictionkitchenpodcast.com. Yeah, and you can find us on the social medias. Twitter, we are at FKPod, and then we're also on Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook at Fiction Kitchen Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, I'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.